Morning, everyone. Just looking around. If you don't know me, my name is Matt. Hi, good to see y'all. Today is fun because I don't have a barrier in front of me. Um, it feels a bit normal, so praise God. I'm loving it. It's good. So uh, every so often, usually around election time, uh, I have lunch with a friend and uh, we discuss who we're voting for and why. And, I'm, uh, and, and I try to come and, and use these a lot. Um, but usually we don't agree. And usually I don't go with his suggestions. <laughs> but I hear him. I hear him out and I seek to understand. These conversations um, and our differences in convictions don't keep us from friendship, though. Um, him and his wife and, and Heather and I have gone on double dates at campfires. He's been there for me in, in lows and highs of life. And this is sadly unheard of in our world, even in the church world. But it actually should be the norm for followers of Christ. Regrettably, though, not to just put myself on a pedestal here, regrettably, um, I've also recently let really trivial things hurt relationships a little bit, like Difference in opinions on why a certain team won or lost a football game may have let that. I, I don't know which game, but um, I may have let that uh, uh, hurt relationships a little bit here, there, and, and other things. So I'm not sitting here saying I'm perfect at this, but it's what we're called to. And um, you can kind of have two mentalities when it comes to having conversations about hot button issues like politics and, and other things. You can have this attitude of, I am going to win no matter what, and they are going to lose. Okay? We're going to walk away from here. I'm the winner. Doesn't matter. And if you both come to the table with that, boy, is that fun. No, it's terrible. Okay? You can have this mentality, and this is the mentality of our world right now, especially in the media, especially in social media. You're either with me or you're my enemy polarize, divide. And really, this is our natural default because of our sin nature. But you can have a different mentality. You can have this other mentality of, I want to understand. And I want to be understood. But I first want to understand. And this is the call to believers. This is our call here at Stonebridge. Our mission is to help people know and obey Jesus. And we want to do that by first listening, see where they're even at, and then introduce them to Christ. But here's the thing, as believers, as, as the church family, we're on the same team. We're all working towards the same goal. We're following Christ together, but often we're going to disagree about things that we're passionate about. Things that, that we may even, strong enough conviction that we would consider dying over. However, we're still called to love one another. Believers from, from all times have been from all sorts of backgrounds and ethnicities and opinions. It, the, the body of Christ really through, through the centuries has been a really diverse group of people. So it's bound to create tension and, and it's bound to create difficulty in relationship. But we're going through Romans and we're in Romans 14. So if you want to start turning there, we're in Romans 14, but basically, Romans 14 teaches us how to love church family members that we don't agree with on things. How can we do that? How can we actually love someone that we disagree with? 
Now let me bring some clarification on what Paul's addressing and what we're talking about today. He's, he's not talking about essential, clear teachings of the Bible. Okay, people have called this spine issues. A skeleton can't hold together if pieces of the spine are just plucked out. So we're, we're not talking about absolutely critical and clear core beliefs taught in the Bible, like grace through faith alone in Jesus, or Jesus is God, or the inerrancy of Scripture, those, those sorts of things. We are talking about, though, non-essential, not clear in the Bible, rib issues is how people have termed it. So from what I know, this has never happened to me, but you can break a rib and, and your body's just not going to crumble to the ground right away. It'll hurt. You, you'll have to go through a, a process to heal from that. But um, this is talking about issues that are, are specific convictions. So within the church world, maybe you don't even know what I'm talking about with some of this stuff, but that's okay. Um, some of you will. The, the rapture. When is Jesus going to show up and return? Is, it gonna, is, is he going to come um, and then... We're all, you know, all believers are going to get taken up into the air and then there's going to be seven years or, or is he going to come like in the middle of those seven years or is he going to come at the end or this thousand year reign of Christ, the millennium, is that, is that figurative? Is it happening right now? Is it going to happen? Those, side, those sorts of things or, or more modern things even outside of the Christian world, um, inside as well though, is, is opinions on uh, Democrat or Republican or mask or no mask or vax or no vax or uh, homeschool, private school, public school. See, we all have convictions on these sorts of things, but these are rib issues. These are things that you could, you could probably make a good biblical case on any side of. St. Augustine is quoted as saying this, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. So Romans 14 is going to help us figure out how we can show charity or love to people that we disagree with in the non-essentials. So let's check it out. Let's read verses 1 to 12. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. That's the non-essential things we're talking about here. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than the other, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord, both the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. How can we love church family we disagree with? Just got 
two points I see in the text here today. Number one, don't let it hinder relationship with them. Don't let it hinder relationship with them. That's what we see in verses 1 through 12. Verse 1 here, it says, Welcome them with open arms. The one who is weak in faith, welcome him. This isn't just tolerating people. This is welcoming them. This is, this is saying, hey, we can and should have strong relationships with people we disagree with. Now, this doesn't mean that you'll always have a strong relationship or friendship with people you disagree with. I don't think that's what it's saying. What it does mean, though, is that are there any relationships that you have in the body of Christ with other followers of Jesus where they disagree sharply on some things with you? Do you have any types of those relationships? See, here we're, we're called to have a warm, come on in, have some coffee with me relationship with people. Instead of, a, well, there's them. How can I avoid them today at church or a connection group or wherever, out in public? Man, oh, they don't agree with me on that. I, I better just keep my distance. No, we're called to welcome them with open arms. We're also called, the end of verse 1, to, be dis, to disagree with people but not be disagreeable, not to quarrel over opinions. Now, this doesn't mean we pretend we agree on things, right, and, and live a lie of sorts, like, oh, yeah, we disagree, but who cares, and, you know, yay. No, it's, it's not like that. It means we don't let it turn into to a spectacle at Thanksgiving, okay? You know, you know when you're at Thanksgiving, you have Aunt, Aunt uh, Sally and Uncle Bob, and every Thanksgiving, they just go at it about this issue, okay? You know what I'm talking about? It just means when we're at church, when we're, when we're together with one another, we don't let that happen. Okay, if I disagree with him, I disagree with her, I don't let it become something that's, that's this big spectacle for everyone to watch as we treat each other terribly. We really can calmly, cordially discuss things we disagree on. And we can do it without becoming disagreeable. I would challenge you to let this, this phrase just, just be ingrained in your skull as it has mine this year. I forget where I heard it, but I heard someone use it. And there's been a lot of this in our world this year. A lot of opportunities to just polarize, to divide, to, to pick your side and pick your camp and, and just plant your feet and be angry with anyone else who's not there with you. But disagree without being disagreeable. Think about that before you talk to someone. Think about that before you post about something. Disagree without being disagreeable. That's what verse 1 is saying. We're also called not to view them as inferior. Look again at verses 2 through 4. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is because it is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Now, a little context here. There were some Jews who converted to Christianity once, once Jesus died and rose again, and there's some Jews in Rome that believed that you still needed to eat. Um, have the same dietary laws of the Old Testament. We still need to follow that. And then there were others that were like, no, we don't. We, Jesus got rid of that. He made it clear 
that, that those laws are gone. And we, we, we can see that in our scripture in Mark chapter 9. Or we, you had other, other people who were like, hey, we shouldn't eat meat because often they are used in idol worship. And in 1 Corinthians, we saw Paul address that a bit. So you have these, these disagreements over what they could eat or what they couldn't eat. And Paul's saying, hey, even if they still hold to those laws, don't let it be something that comes between you guys. Don't let it be something that, that comes between you. Don't let it hinder relationship between you and them. Don't view someone else who's a follower of Jesus as a second-rate disobedient Christian because they're eating meat or a second-rate disobedient Christian because they're not eating meat. He's saying even if, even if you still hold to these things, don't let it become, come between you. He says don't despise, don't pass judgment on them. And so for us, quit Quit labeling. We need to quit labeling and, and thinking of individuals in our church family as the enemy. They're not the enemy. The devil is our enemy. Our battle's not against flesh and blood. We need to get rid of language like this, even in our own thoughts, probably especially in our own thoughts. We need to get rid of language like this, going, hey, look, there's that ignorant homeschooler or, hey, there's those heathen public schoolers. See, that just divides people when we use language like that in our heads or out loud. We need to realize that they're made in the image of God. They are a son and a daughter of God. And they're my brother and my sister. And they are entitled to their opinion on these things. And I am no better than them. Don't view people as inferior just because they have different convictions on rib issues. Then we see Paul addresses the why. Why should we not let it hinder relationships with them? He understands we need some convincing because we really want to divide. We really want to take sides and, and dig our heels in. So he says, hey, verse 3, God's welcomed them. God has welcomed them. If God has welcomed them, think about it like this. Who am I not to welcome them? Am I wiser than God? Am I superior to God? See, God welcomed me. God welcomed me. I am the worst sinner that I know. I've said this several times before, but man, it's good to think about daily. Paul called himself the chief of sinners. Why did he do that? Why am I saying that I'm the chief of sinners? Because I see, I see all of my thoughts. I, it's not just the actions. I see all of the sin that goes on within in my thoughts and in my actions, and I really am the worst sinner that I know, and you are as well. You're the worst sinner that you know, but guess what? God, who sees all, sees all of that sin, yet welcomed us in, welcomed me in. If he can welcome me in, I can then turn and welcome anyone in. See, we're all sinful, we're all needy, we're all broken, we're all selfish. But before God, we are all undeserving. Yet, because of the cross, because Jesus gave his life for us, he welcomed us in. Let's do the same with one another. When, when we realize that God welcomed us into his home, and one day we will, we will literally be with him in paradise, 
we quickly, we quickly realize that there is no one we can't welcome at our table. Quite literally, there is no one that we can't welcome to our dinner table for supper. So I want you to think about this. Just as like a, a, a question to gauge where your heart's at. As you think about other people in this room and in our church family that you know, who would you hesitate to have over for supper here? Why? Why not let it hinder relationships with people? Because God's welcome to them in, so we can welcome anyone in. Also, both your motives are the same, to honor God. Look at verses 5 through 9 again with me. One person esteems one day as better than the other. Another uh, esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. Notice that. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord. See, their motives are the same. We want to honor God and give thanks to God. Verse 7, for none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. So here's the context here. Here's the cultural issue that's happening. There were Jewish converts to Christianity, again, and they, they held to Saturday being the Sabbath. That's the day that we're called to rest from work and, and honor God and worship God. And then there were other people saying, no, it needs to be Sunday because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday, so we should worship on that day. And then there was disputes over holidays. Shouldn't we still, you know, there were some of these people going, hey, we should, we should still celebrate the, the, the feasts of uh, of." Uh, tabernacles and of booths and Passover and all these holidays. And then other ones going, no, no, no. We should just honor and worship the Lord every day. And so they divided on that. And Paul's saying, wait a minute. You guys are both trying to honor God. Why are you letting it come between you? Your goal, your motive, your aim is to honor God. So don't let it come between you relationally. See, what's important here is the heart. And that's one of the major themes throughout the Bible, that, that man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Whether we're eating or whether we're resting, worship God. At the end of the day, he's saying we're on the same team. We are pulling in the same direction with the same motive to make much of Jesus, to honor God now let me just show you a little a side note in here. Look at the end of verse 5. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Here's what that's saying. It is good and right for you to have convictions about things. Don't mishear me this morning. It's not that you're supposed to So, oh, you know, I, I'm just going to not have conviction so that I can just love everyone. No, he's saying, it's right, it's good. You should be fully convinced in your own mind. Just don't treat your convictions on, on rib issues like a 67th book of the Bible. There's 66 books. Don't, don't treat it like this fresh revelation that's straight from God. You could be wrong in your convictions. See, we need to be, we need to be open and we need to not let non-essential rib issues keep us from relationship with other people. 
Why not let it hinder relationships with them? God's welcomed them. Both our motives are the same to honor God. And then 10 to 12, God is the judge, not you. It says, verse 10, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it's written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of you will give an account of himself to God. He's basically saying this. Quit pretending you're God. Quit playing God in relationships with other people. God's going to judge this person. Leave that to him. You're not the judge. When we start judging them and it, and it produces brokenness in relationships or just missed opportunities in relationships, you're basically saying, I know better than God. We need to trust God with their convictions about rib issues and then eat with them, play with them, pray with them, serve them. Even the Republicans, even the Democrats. Second big point, how do we love church family we disagree with? Show them respect through sacrifice. So first we talked about we're not going to let it hinder relationships. And now, in the last part of this, we're going to show them respect through sacrifice. Let's pick up in verse 13. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. But what, by what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. For whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Show them respect through sacrifice. If you look at verse 13, verse 13 is kind of the hinge verse of this whole chapter. It's the main point of this chapter. The first part is summarizing verses 1 through 12. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. Then, 13 to 23, or 14 to 23, is summarized in the last part. Rather, decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Or put differently, he's saying, Quit deciding what's right or wrong on these rib issues for your brother and sister. He's saying instead decide, it uses the word decide to show them love regardless. Show them 
Love, show them respect through sacrifice. So let's break that down a little bit. Show them respect. Verse 15, it says show them respect, basically because Christ died for them. If Jesus died for them, you can surely die to your desires sometimes or to your strong opinions and letting it overtake conversations, letting it overtake relationships. I mean, think about it. Jesus gave up his life, and I'm sitting here saying I can't give up an opinion. He gave his life. So he's saying, hey, Romans, if Jesus gave his life for you, you can surely wait on eating that bacon till tomorrow when you're not around them. And he's saying to us, he gave up his life, so you can surely abstain from alcohol for one evening to not put a stumbling block in front of your brother or sister. Show them respect. We show them respect also to be a good witness to unbelievers. Verse 16, it says, Do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. He's saying don't give unbelievers fuel for their fire. See, naturally, people are going to be like, man, look at those two. Those two are believers. Those two are in the same church family, and they are just constantly bickering and going after one another. If that's how Christians love each other, I'm out. I want nothing to do with that. Instead, we need to be respectful of each other's convictions on non-essentials. And we need, need to do it so that Christ and his bride, the church, look more and more attractive to the world. So instead, people are going, wow. They didn't have a drink tonight just to love that other person? Who does that? Verse 17, it says, We're part of the same kingdom with the same spirit. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's a matter of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. He's saying we're we're on the same team because we have the same king, Jesus. We have the same righteous record, righteousness of Christ that was given to us because of what he did on the cross. We have the same unshakable peace beyond understanding because of Christ. We have the same joy available to us, even amidst hardship because of Christ. And we have the same Holy Spirit, God himself, living inside of us. This verse, verse 17, makes me think of my friend from college. Me and my friend, we, we had no shared interests at all. I mean, maybe we liked pizza. That was probably it. No shared interests at all, but we both deeply, passionately were pursuing after Christ and really enjoyed talking about him together. Really enjoyed having friendship just based around Christ. See, there's more than enough grounds and foundation for friendship found in Jesus. Let's rally around the king. So sacrifice. If we're called to show them respect through sacrifice, how do we do that? Well, verses 20 to 23 talk about that. Hey, it says, essentially, you need to give up things that cause people to stumble. You need to honor their convictions. So let's just get real this morning and let's talk about some ways that we can do that right now in our culture. 
Let's just talk about something that I'm praying and hoping is on the tail end, COVID. Now, there's some people who believe that masks are absolutely pointless, they're unproven, and they're a political statement. A sacrifice for someone with that conviction would be slipping a mask on around someone else when they're talking to them. Why? It's a way to sacrificially show them respect, even when we disagree. And then there's others that believe that masks are absolutely effective and proven and they're not political at all. It's just scientific. And sacrifice for them would be not going off on someone who's five aisles away at the grocery store for not wearing a mask, right? Or, or at church even. You know, you're, you're not even talking to them across the room. Get your mask on, right? It'd be a great way to sacrifice and show them the respect that they deserve. Alcohol. There's some believers who believe that drinking is, is a gift from God, as long as we're not going too far and getting drunk. So a sacrifice for them, though, as, as I said and alluded to a little earlier, would be abstaining from alcohol while around other people who struggle, who don't have the same conviction. Why? Because it's a way to sacrificially show them respect. Or there's others who believe that drinking leads to nothing good and nothing godly. And, and while, yes, it's, it's permitted, not all things are helpful. Maybe it led them or, or their, their loved ones down a dark, terrible path in life, so they just want to stay away from it. And a sacrifice for them would be when they're, we're, they're walking through the grocery store and they see their brother or sister in Christ put a bottle of wine in their cart. They don't sit there and judge them and go, what are you doing that for? Or give them a dirty look or something. Get your different pages about it. There's liberty there within that issue to have different convictions. We sacrifice for one another because we're showing respect to them. So verse 19 does a good job of summing this whole thing up. It says, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Pursue. It's basically saying let's pursue relationships, mutual upbuilding. Here's the thing about pursuit. Pursuit is an intentional effort. Pursuit doesn't just happen by accident. You don't accidentally pursue something or someone. No, you have to go after it. Notice that it doesn't say, sit around and wait a while for someone else to make the first move, then we'll start to get relationships cooking in this church family. No, it's just pursue. All of our jobs here as a church family is to be in pursuit of one another, not to wait for other people to make the first move. It says pursue peace and mutual upbuilding, mutual encouragement, and it can't just happen by sitting here on Sunday morning either. It, it requires real relationship. It requires real effort on everybody's part. So I want to steal an analogy from author and pastor Francis Chan because it was really good and he's worth stealing ideas from sometimes. So at least I'm giving credit. Um, he tells his daughter, and I, so I have a daughter and she's right here this morning, Joy. And, um, so let's say I told Joy, hey, Joy, go clean your room. And she goes off, and she comes back, and she goes, Hey, Dad, you wouldn't believe it. I memorized what you told me to do. Go 
clean your room. And I go, wow, that's fantastic. Did you clean your room though? She goes, well, no. So she goes off. And she comes back and she goes, dad, dad, I, you, oh, I memorized go clean your room in Greek. I'd be like, cool, I don't think um, I speak Greek, do you? It's all Greek to me, right? <laughs> Have you cleaned your room though? No, I, I haven't. Okay, we'll go clean your room. She goes away, she comes back and she's like, dad, I got some friends together and we meet every week and we sit around and talk about what it would be like if I cleaned my room. I'd be like, wow, that's cool. Um, have you cleaned your room yet, though? And she goes, no, I haven't. Well, go clean your room. What are you doing, <laughs> you know? And it's ridiculous, right, if, we, if this would actually happen. And, and Joy's great at cleaning her room, by the way. So this doesn't actually happen, but um, she usually tells me to clean my room. But uh, <laughs> she just needs to clean her room. And, and so for us, with a scripture like this, with a message like this, it's easy to hear it. It's a lot harder to apply it. So let's, let's do this. Let's love other people in our church family, pursue relationships, even if we disagree on things. So I, I want to challenge you. In view of Christ's pursuit of us, while we were still sinners, pursue, take a first step towards someone relationally this week in this church body. If, if you've gotten to know people decently in this church body already, take a step towards someone you disagree with or someone you're a little more uncomfortable hanging out with or that you wouldn't prefer to normally. If you're newer, take a step towards someone, anyone this week. Maybe it's just after service going and saying hi to someone, putting yourself out there. Maybe it's asking someone, hey, you want to come over for supper? You want to grab coffee? You want to go to the driving range? You want to get your kids together for a play date? Whatever. Be creative. But who's it going to be? Get in your head right now. Who am I going to pursue in this church family this week? And then how are you going to pursue them? See, Christ pursues us and is always present. He's always here and now. For believers, he is, he is always right here. He's always right now. So let's do that in relationships with one another. Let's pursue people today. Let's not just say, yep, it's a great idea for me to pursue people. No, let's go clean our room. Let's do it. So I challenge you, before you leave this room today, before you leave this building today, extend an invite to someone. Talk to someone. Let's be a church family that actively lives scripture out, that actively shows people love in the flesh, maybe even more than we sing about love in songs on a Sunday morning. Let's put it to action. And as we do it, let's, let's be a great example to a world that's so divided and have them just scratch their heads and go, where, where can I find a relationship like that? And we can point them straight to Christ and his church. Let's pray. God, I, I thank you for this scripture. I thank you for the guidance that it's given me just in the last year in trying to figure out how to navigate relationships during a pandemic and, and 
trying to figure out and navigate relationships during a lot of hot-button cultural issues. But God, help us to do it. Help us to take steps towards one another. Most days it feels easier just to stay comfortable, hang with the people we like hanging with. But help us to step out, Lord. And we know, God, I've experienced this, and I've seen it in so many people's lives when we do that. It actually produces a lot of joy. Sure, it's a bit clunky. Relationships take time, but it actually produces a lot of joy and a lot of peace. And we go, wow, I'm so glad I did that. So help us to take that step. Help us to pursue one another in love and put those things that are non-essential aside. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.